Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. All right, shall we do it? I've always said that the election should happen at the best time for the country. Now is that time. Oh, come, nobody ever reads manifestos during the election, Sean, you know oh, that. Really? Look, they've taken our policies. They are bereft of policies. For every person that likes you, there have to be people that hate you in equal measures. This is Election Daily, a special series from the Inside Politics podcast team at the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan and every evening we are here with the latest on the general election campaign. Usually uh, we don't let a non-Irish Times journalist into Election Daily, but today we're making an exception. Kevin Cunningham is a politics lecturer and a pollster with Ireland Thinks and he's a friend of the podcast, which is why he's here. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Our other guest needs no introduction, but I'll do it anyway. Pat Leahy is our political editor and is therefore responsible for steering the ship that is the Irish Times' coverage of this election. Election. I'm not quite sure what kind of vessel that ship would be, Pat. I don't it? know, but that's definitely not an iceberg up ahead, Hugh. Uh, okay, right, good. <laughs> no whitewater rafting involved. Um, we are at the end of, I suppose, the second week, even though we haven't had quite full two weeks of the campaign. And today, Friday, we saw the manifestos of the two main parties. I might as well confess now that we're not going to do a line-by-line reading. We don't have all the um, all the numbers added up to tell you whether they add up or not. Our colleagues in the finance department are doing that as we speak, and they can read all about that in tomorrow's Irish Times. Mr. Cliff Taylor has website. a sharpie pen out and he's going through them with a no no, be- no better man. So I'm, I'm a little bit more interested in the, the theatricals of today's two events and perhaps the differences between them and what they might tell us. Pat, you were at one of them. Yes, it was at the uh, Fine Gael uh, Manifesto launch. Fine Fall one took place an hour or two earlier across town. Uh, both of them weighty documents. Fine Gael one, looking at it, is 108 pages and the Fine Fall one is 150 pages, though that appears to allow some pages for notes at uh, the end. The Fianna Fáil, some Fianna Fáil document sums up its aims as quality of life for every family, owning your own home, strong, vibrant and safe communities across Ireland, delivering our climate change targets and work for Ireland's values on the global stage. That's Fianna Fáil who could argue with that. The Taoiseach's foreword to the Fianna Gael manifesto outlines their aims, the best team for Brexit, a better deal for families, fairer taxes, real climate action, more frontline guardy, backing for first-time buyers and reform of our health service. So... Motherhood, your, motherhood and pick. apple pie. Take your pick. Who could not be in favour of all of those things? Is there no. anything we can read into in differentiation between those? I mean, just looking, just taking the two of those. Taxes okay. Taxes are mentioned uh, uh, in one okay, and not I, the other. There's mo- these two documents are more in common than separates them. In a way, that's not terribly surprising, given that they're both broadly centrist parties, high degree of consensus um, uh, be- between them on, on many things. Um, but it seems to me that the main point of difference in policy terms that is emerging is the one on uh, on tax cuts. So Fine Gael are making a much greater play of their tax cuts than Fianna Fáil are making of those. And in a way that I suppose is true to the, the historic 
inclinations of either party and of their two current leaders. So Fianna Fáil claiming to desire an an Ireland for all will emphasise more uh, its investment in public services. Fianna Gael, while it still promises to invest uh, to invest billions and billions of euros over the next five years in public services, will promise more tax cuts and will talk about, I think, those tax cuts more. Now, the difference between the two, uh, between the two parties' pitches, I think, is, 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 is probably not as great as they will try to make it seem. But insofar as it exists, I think it centres around tax. So, Kevin, it's hardly a great surprise that the difference between a very slightly centre-left and a very slightly centre-right party would be over the issue of, of, of taxes. Uh, it's probably... It's a funny way to Fine Gael's benefit to, for people to think that Fianna Fáil is not that different from Fine Gael and, at the course of this campaign. Yeah, I'm very interested in the idea of Fianna Fáil now as a centre-left party. But that... Uh, I very think slightly, I Very say. slightly, OK. Uh, I think it's interesting, but I think it's a strategic error for Fianna, Fianna Gael to go to the right of Fianna Fáil, knowing full well that the, the median voter really in Ireland, even though we've had two right-wing parties, nominally centre-right parties in charge... Uh, for the entire existence of the state, we've ended up with policies that are, broadly speaking, actually quite left of centre in terms of the level of uh, tax redistribution in the country. I think that's fundamentally a function of the fact that there's the median voter, the person that they're trying to attract is often that left-wing voter who's on the outside. They're trying to do a coalition, they're trying to get transfers, historically from the Labour Party, but now in this context, with the two parties then collectively at 48% of the most recent poll, they really need to appeal out to those other parties on the left, Sinn Féin, Labour Party, Greens Everyone so else is to the left of them, really. So, Everyone else but you're saying that, that in the Irish system, both in terms of probably winning, winning vital transfers in the election itself transfers, and in terms of the negotiations for, for, for yeah. forming a government, you have, to, you have to tend towards the left. More so than ever before, yeah. So I think it's but, an unusual thing to tack on the economic thing because certainly Fine Gael but, could go but does liberal. does that not maybe. give Fine Gael a, a more distinctive message if it talks about taxes and I think to a certain degree we're you know talking about relatively small differences here the narcissism of small differences but if everybody else is on the left then for Fianna Fáil to move leftwards leaves oh, space Fianna, for Fianna Gael to a, move a gap in the slightly market. rightwards Fianna Fáil are, are well positioned in this election I, I, you expect them to get transfers not just from Fianna Gael now in this election but also all the way from the left they're going to do quite well they probably only need to have the same number of votes to actually beat uh, Fianna Gael in this election I mean, you're very much bringing your pollsters' head to this. And what do you think of the polls this week? We probably have another tranche of polls from a couple of different places over the course of the weekend. What do you make of them so far? Uh, in terms of the polls, I think that it's it's in massive flux. I think one of the interesting things, we have a three-week campaign ahead. Uh, polls in Ireland take a week usually compared to the UK, which are done online. So we do ours face-to-face, very high quality and all. Um but we won't be able to pick up anything during the campaign. Usually what happens is we have these polls that kind of last the entire duration of the campaign and the only time we actually see the campaign effect is on polling day. And typically what happens is Fianna Fáil do relatively better by around 4% and Sinn Féin do relatively worse by around 4%. Probably because the Sinn Féin approach to a campaign is promise loads of stuff and Fianna Fáil typically stand in the background and don't promise anything. They have this kind of vacuous strategy. In well, there are actions. also demographic reasons, which we pointed out here before, and that people who vote for Sinn Féin are from demographics that tend not to vote as much. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that is true as well. That is absolutely true. Is that not factored in by posters these days? Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, when you, you, when you do a poll, you usually uh, look at the past vote and you try and weight things to their past voting behaviour and you apportion it to the proportion of people that actually voted that way in the last election. So, I mean, conceivably, it's part, it's, it's one part uh, demographics and one part uh, this other story, I think. This camp- campaign effects. And this is effect. what campaigns are for, in a way. Yeah. And um, I'm... In, in not to quote myself before it's actually appeared in the paper but in column in my column t- which will appear tomorrow I'm, I'm, I'm talking about next week is really moving week traditionally in the in, in campaigns so by next weekend an awful lot of people will have made up their minds which way they're going to vote so the next few days just just hold that thought for a minute because we did want to, to turn to what, what's coming up next week. But first of all, I just want to remind you once more that unlimited access to journalism for the Irish Times is only a click away if you sign up for a digital subscription at irishtimes.com slash subscribe for the extraordinary price pack of just one euro for the first month, which I believe is actually cheaper than anything you can buy in an actual euro bargain shop these days. You do get to enjoy everything from Catherine Cleary's restaurant reviews to Patrick Frayne's journeys into the head of Dermot Bannon, my particular favourite, I have to say. So remember, that's irishtimes.com slash subscribe. I'm sorry for interrupting so rudely, Pat, but we did want to look a little bit more. The next week is the crucial week. You describe, would you say that? Excuse me, my train well, of thought now has been, uh, has been it, entirely destroyed sure, sure, by a advertising pitch. The idea of next week being, I think the crucial things about these campaigns are competence and leadership and those sorts of things. And those debates that happen will be very, very important to people trying to evaluate. I mean, do you think this week's debate will have moved things a little I think bit. It, I think it probably will have. I think it's one of these things that when voters, some some voters that don't pay much attention to politics do tune into debates and they do kind of have a look and see what's going on and then they get moved by them. I think it's, and, and certainly going into those debates, there's sometimes an expectation. Some people are expected to do better than others and then that, that moves things in the what direction. What about the debates being, that happen next week which are actually the seven party leaders so presumably there's less opportunity for an impact or a gotcha moment. Yeah, that'll probably be a mess unless unless one of the parties actually performs relatively well. In 2016, I guess, there was a suggestion that Social Democrat Stephen Donnelly performed relatively well in that debate. Uh, but I'm not sure if it it, it, produ- it didn't obviously it, it produce didn't, anything. It didn't have any visible impact. Yeah, no, so, I mean, there's but, that. But there's but, another there's a poss- possibility as well for the debates, particularly in seven-way debates, and we'll have two of those uh, next week before the final leaders debate the following week, just days before polling. But the thing about a seven-way debate is it might be very difficult to stand out as being really good in it. But if somebody has an absolute disaster, then that's a lot more visible. So that's a possibility yeah, too. Like the recent debate uh, where Stephen Donnelly didn't perform relatively as well as people might have expected. It's almost like he was fighting the, the previous election where he was kind of uh, on his own in relation to Slauncher Care, I guess. It was a strange one, particularly since he was beside his former Social Democrat colleague, uh, Roisin Shortall at the time. She was looking at him with a kind of rather peculiar eye for most of that debate and maybe she put him off. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think she used to do that when they were in the same party as well, but that's <laughs> possibly another... Possibly so another anything story. else next week? Because now we have the manifestos out, we have most of the policy programmes out. Is it all just... Well, there's some manifestos to So the Greens are tomorrow. Sinn Féin is, I think, next Wednesday. Um, that's as yet this, unconfirmed. Just this thing on manifestos mm. as, the, as the central plank of an election and how these parties are approaching this election. It's 
I find it slightly odd because you go back every election and the voters aren't fools, you know. They've, they've seen that the USC promise from 2016 wasn't implemented and that Brexit became a priority and no one would now argue that, you know, that the government should prioritising should prioritise uh, that particular uh, strategy. People are particularly keen on housing, which clearly wasn't an issue in 2016. You go back every election, the priorities change and events kind of, I think, are more important than you know, what people might promise in an election campaign. And I think the voters are are correct in their scepticism of parties. I just think it's odd that political parties continue to kind of promise and guarantee and have red lines and all that sort of stuff when it's not realistic. And, and, and the voters, I think, themselves know that as well. So I find sometimes when you, when you, go, when you see these manifestos and these kind of ideas that politicians have, it's 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 bizarre because it, it, it's quite likely that there may be a recession, certainly in the next, I mean, we're due one actually, apparently. Yeah, there's one every approximately nine years or something like that. We're, we're now officially due a recession. So it's a grim thought. I think Kevin has a very good point here because all these manifestos, no, no party that is putting forward its manifesto this week is going to be in a position to implement that manifesto even should they want to. And there is some doubt about that because none of them are going to have a single party government. This is not the United Kingdom. So, as happened the last time, as you say, in 2016, Fine Gael or wherever it is will go into, into, into government with, a, with some kind of an arrangement which will have a dramatic impact on what they deliver and well, what they plan to do. Y- well, yes, but the programmes for government that are negotiated tend to be based on party manifestos. Now, will everything that is in any manifesto get into a programme for government? Of course it won't. But a lot of it will get into a programme for government. And that, even though the government must, you know, the government has to react to things like Brexit and that, Mm -hmm. it does, the programme for government does in in terms of the day-to-day and week-to-week mechanics of government, they matter. Back to your previous point about the the gap in the market for for Fine Gael being, you know, being tax cutting. We saw the last time after 2016 they had similar proposals. They were not in a position to implement yeah, them. This is and a big it's problem. almost certainly going to be the case again. I think that's a big problem for Fine Gael is that the, the biggest promise made in the 2016 general election was to abolish the USC. It didn't happen and people know it didn't happen. Yeah. So that diminishes in some respect the credibility to promise a tax. And the more, uh, tax the more central the Last promise, and the more central the promise, the bigger it is. And, and yeah, I guess in, in terms of the pension, the age of the uh, retirement, and they're all going for different ages. They're all going to come, have to ha- agree in some sort of coalition, and it's you know it's, it seems unlikely that and any that of is the way that, that that our system works. So, so we're going to have to leave it there. But thanks very much indeed to Kevin for coming in. Thanks also to Pat, and a particular thank you to our producers Declan Conlon and Suzanne Brennan, who have been putting in some serious shifts this week, and I know they're looking forward to the weekend. But speaking of the weekend, do keep an eye on your feed because we are not done yet. Do remember though that you can subscribe to us in all the usual places. You can also find us at IrishTimes.com/podcasts. You can mail us at politicspodcast@irishtimes.com, or you can find most of us on Twitter. We'll be back very soon indeed. But until then, thanks for listening.